Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. John chapter 2. On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. Jesus' mother was there, and Jesus and his disciples had also been invited to the wedding. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My hour has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. Then he told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realise where it had come from though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. What Jesus did here in Cana of Galilee was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory, and his disciples believed in him. After this, he went down to Capernaum with his mother and brothers and his disciples. Though they stayed for a few days. When it was almost time for the Jewish Passover, Jesus went up to Jerusalem. In the temple courts he found people selling cattle, sheep and doves, and others sitting at tables exchanging money. So he made a whip out of cords and drove all from the temple courts, both sheep and cattle. He scattered the coins of the money changers and overturned their tables. To those who sold doves he said, Get these out of here. Stop turning my father's house into a market. His disciples remembered that it was written, Zeal for your house will consume me. The Jews then responded to him, What sign can you show us to prove your authority to do all this? Jesus answered them, Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. They replied, It's taken 46 years to build this temple, and you are going to raise it again in three days? But the temple he had spoken of was his body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples recalled what he had said. Then they believed the scripture and the words that Jesus had spoken. Now while he was in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, many people saw the signs he was performing and believed in his name. But Jesus would not entrust himself to them, for he knew all people. He did not need any testimony about mankind for he knew what was in each person. Considering John said he had way too many anecdotes about Jesus to include in his gospel, it could seem strange that he starts with these two. Everything suggests they happened several years apart in totally different parts of Israel. One shows Jesus reluctant and discreet, happy to enable revelry and excess. The other shows Jesus ferociously zealous, totally uncompromising about God's house of prayer. Christ, a captivating cocktail of quasi-contradictions. When reading John, 
We should see him as an early day Quentin Tarantino. Or these days, maybe we're more likely to say Christopher Nolan. It weaved together complex patchwork of scenes from the life of Christ to create a heart-thumping, dramatic picture of the man Jesus Christ. The purpose of the gospel is not an orderly report, like Luke's gospel was, but a window into the central figure of any real faith. John writes to Christians to help them have life, real life. He writes so, so that you may know the invasion of the real Jesus into your ordinary everyday life. These two stories show the intent and the implications of the invasion of the I am. Firstly, Jesus invades your life in a gentle, surprising way, flooding your human celebrations with a merry and enriching presence that makes them better by far. This is the slow creep of the gospel into your gut. This is the smile-inducing intimacy of Jesus' new wine presence. Even now as you read this, Jesus is coaxing you into tasting his presence. Even now, Jesus is directing angels to serve you surprisingly sweet sustenance of his grace. Will you drink it? Will you sit back, settle your mind and receive? It's easy to overlook. Then comes the second invasion, when Jesus throws the furniture around. In this second invasion, Jesus demands reverence. He kicks things around in your life to foster purity and obedience. This second invasion hurts as much as the first one soothes. It's an invasion for repentance. And when this invasion comes, it's easy to recoil to front up, to look back longingly at Cana and pretend the temple can still stand as it is. Oh, sweet Jesus, please just give me another drink. And he will. He will. But he will also keep on sacking and keep on tipping until he has holiness and prayer and sparkling purity and manifest justice enshrined in our hearts. John shows us right up front that life, real life, embraces both invasions of this glorious Messiah. It's both love and awe. It's both soothing and convicting. It's both death and life. Will you open yourself to this seemingly contradictory king and the kingdom that he brings? Here's a question for reflection. Which do you expect and receive more from Jesus? Kindness or rebuke? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.